Hey guys, welcome into the Fantasy Insanity Podcast. I am not John Bosch. If you've listened to the other ones, you know that he is your host. Uh, this is actually Justin Spear with CommissionTalk.com, and John, John has asked me to come on today and interview him. Um, John thought it would be awkward if he was asking the questions and answering the questions, so he asked me to come in today. John, how are you doing, man? I am doing just fine, Justin. I do appreciate you doing this for me. It would have. Uh, I do tend to talk a lot. And if it's literally just my voice for an hour, people might just turn it off real fast. So hopefully having you in there to break up my monotony will improve it. I don't listen to Jim Rome that much, but after trying to do like one podcast episode, I completely respect him way more because he's like literally the only dude talking forever. And I can't even understand how that would work. That's a terrifying thought to me. So it's nice to have somebody on the other end. end but um so we're going to dive into John's background a little bit, a pretty cool league that he is starting this year. Um, but let's start with something simple, John. How did, you, how did you get started into fantasy sports and fantasy football in general? Tell us a little bit about your history. Uh, I have been playing fantasy football for quite some time. Uh, I do apologize. I'm probably going to cover some things that I touched on, at least in previous podcasts, but we might get a little more detail out of them here. So uh, I was that kid that ran the bracket in school. So that was me. I started it in fourth grade. At that point, I I was already ready to start running competitions and stuff. So fourth grade was the first year of my March Madness tournament. And I, I ran that bracket for 25 years up until this year until I just, I said, no more bracket. I've got other games that are better, which we'll touch on those games uh, when a March episode comes around. Don't, don't worry about that. I got into fantasy football my junior year of high school. This was 1997. Uh, I just missed the newspaper league. So I was the, it was the first year this league was on the internet. My best friend asked me if I wanted to join him on a team. And I said, sure. I was in love immediately. Fantasy football caught me big time. It was great timing because as a Bengals fan, I was starting to lose interest in the NFL. Fantasy football regained that interest in a big way. So I started playing in that. That was just a standard league. We did do a live draft. We still do. I love that league. I'm never going to leave it. It's probably the only redraft league I will stick with from here on out. A few years after that, uh, I was 02. I started a league with my co-owner. We co-commissioned a league, actually. And we got tired of that league being based only on running backs, it seemed. So we wanted to start a new league. Uh, we didn't have a name for it because back then we didn't name leagues. It was just our, our league. Uh, it, but it was a, a dual super flex league. We, it was a large league of 14 teams, and we had big rosters. And in order to make it so that everybody could kind of start really good players each week, we said, well, let's just make it so everybody's starting however many quarterbacks they want, running backs, wide receivers. So we, we played dual super flex, which means it kind of turned into a three-quarterback league, which was fun. Uh, and in 02, it wasn't as bad as kind of the last few years when everybody goes out and throws 300 yards and two touchdowns now. 
when we started it, it made it kind of even with the running backs and the wide receivers. The quarterbacks had importance. So I am a quarterback lover. Uh, they are my favorite position to watch in the NFL. They're the most important one. So I structured the league around that, and you know we ran it forever. And we did have a good time with it. That one, this was my last year in it. I, I stepped down as the commissioner of it just because I knew I was taking on a new venture that was going to take up a lot more time. I said I'd still love to play if anybody else wants to run it, but what ended up having, happening is about half those owners followed me into the next league that I that I started, So, or, or the league I'm starting today. I do have one other league that I run, and I started that one just a couple years ago, and this was a tipping point for me. I started a salary cap league. We thought it was a dynasty league when we started it, my brother and I. Uh, we, we wanted to do something more than redraft, we wanted to have a long-term investment in players. So we had talked about it for years, and finally one night we decided we were just going to do it. You know, let's let's send out messages to some friends, see what we can set up. I, within an hour, we had our league formed with owners. We did owners before we did rules. <laughs> so then it was up to me to kind of set up this league with the rules and everything. We missed some stuff in year one, but as we went through the year, we figured it out, and like I've said on the previous podcasts, as I researched for year two to make sure the league was strong, I realized it wasn't a dynasty league at all. That's when I found out it was a salary cap league. And that led me to finding out many, many other things that I wanted to explore in fantasy football, which eventually leads me to doing this podcast and why I find talking about these things very interesting. It all led up to the point where I have started what I'm calling the empire league now. So that was how I got into fantasy football. You know, they, it hit at a perfect time when the Bengals were just not that entertaining anymore. I don't even think they were on TV a lot of times. Home games were blacked out unless it was the Steelers game. So I didn't even get to watch my favorite team half the time. But once I started fantasy football, I watched my favorite team every single week because my favorite team became fantasy team. So. Yeah, absolutely. And you, and you mentioned the Empire League. That's that's going to be a big talking point of today. This thing is extremely interesting. You sent me over the rules and right away I was like I was looking through the, you know, the team names and the owners and I was just looking for that blank spot. And I was like, guys, is there is there is there a place in this league for me? But it didn't it didn't look like it at least at this time. So I'm still I'm still waiting for somebody to drop out, I guess. But that was interesting. Happily, to, 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 we actually have a waiting list, uh, which made me very, very happy. I like to have that, but I hope that guy never gets in. Right. I, I may, I may form a second one. Their in, interest has increased, so uh, that's cool. Yeah. If there's a waiting list, with the second one. If there's a waiting list for the league, you know that you know it's a good league. So, yeah, you said some interesting things. I got to ask. So you said you started a March Madness bracket in fourth grade. Yes. So what was what was the stakes? Two dollars. I mean, we, we, it was oh, it was actually money, just a smaller yeah, amount uh, of money. Oh yeah, I can. I remember it was two dollars, and I remember. I don't remember when I raised it to five dollars, but I remember when I raised it, it being like a big deal. That oh man, now we were playing for five dollars. That was probably like my eighth grade year, something like that. So and it stayed at five dollars forever because it was never about the actual money, but you got to have something on it. So. Right. It, it peaked. There was one year I think I had almost 150 people in it, and I was in fourth grade. Uh, no, 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 no. It, oh, the, okay. the, the the biggest year that the biggest year was 150. No, fourth grade. I think we probably had. I went to 
a, a small Catholic school, so we had maybe 60 total kids in our class, okay. in our grade. I bet I had, I don't know, 25 to 30 in it. So that it is still small, very but it definitely grew. <laughs> so was there a spot at recess, like a certain place that you know to go to collect, to, to kind of have the money exchange? <laughs> no, people would just pay me when they saw me like outside of school, but I can still remember having like the, the, the standings hidden under my desk. Like we had the desks <laughs> where you tuck your books in like right below and right in front of you. So there's a little ledge and I can remember like having the standings there and like people talking to me, you know, and we're like trying to hide it and be real secretive. And I have no doubt in my mind that that teacher knew exactly what I was doing and probably just laughed at us. Cause that's exactly what I would do now looking at a kid that would be doing that. I would just laugh and say, I know what you're doing. I appreciate that you're doing it. That's great. So looking that's, back, I realized that it, it was probably entertaining to the teacher. That's like something you, I feel like I'd see like on a bad comedy or something. You have like the fourth grade bookie and like, it's, but yeah. that's pretty funny that that played out in real life. So that's, that's interesting. So we'll, we'll definitely get into the empire league here in a second, but you, so from a young age, you have collected money from people. Obviously back then you probably didn't use league safe or PayPal or anything like that when you're in fourth grade, but like, so is there a, I mean, you do March Madness, you do all these different forms of fantasy football. Is there a kind of a go-to method you have for collecting money? And once I learn that go-to method, if I find an effective one, I will let you know. <laughs> now I try and get money as much as I can. I try and get electronic payments now. I set up bank account just for the finances that I use for March Madness, fantasy football, uh, for the stuff that I run as a commissioner, that way people can put money directly into that account. I know I'm never going to spend it. My wife doesn't have to be concerned when I go to take a big, huge uh, withdrawal out of the checking to make payments. It's actually made it easier. It, it sounds really bad that I had to start an, uh, an extra checking account to cover this stuff, but it has actually made it more efficient and I don't have to worry about it being spent out of a checking account and then having to go find it. As for Collecting money, I don't know. Well, I, I really have no good system for it. I, I do what I can. I start to badger after a while. I, I just got a payment. Today is April 22nd. I just got a payment two days ago, my last payment for March Madness. I was really happy when I got that. <laughs> well, you shouldn't feel bad about having a separate bank account. Like That's a great idea because I have the opposite problem where I put our entry fees into like our savings account. And so mm -hmm. it's like halfway through the season, sometimes my wife – will ask me how much money we have in savings. I'm like, well, we have X amount, but you got to remember 3000 of that yeah. is not our money. So it's always like, sometimes I like look and I'm like, Oh, we have some, we have a good amount of money. And then I just remember that half of it is uh, for fantasy football. Yeah. I'm still waiting for those years where I just have, or, you know, multiple years where I just have run after run after run and I just win, win, win. And then I don't take that money out. That would just feel so good. That would feel good. I don't ever have that problem. I just, I just dish it out. And usually I dish it out in, in nickels or $2 bills or just something that like, they're not going to enjoy it quite as much, you know, because if I have to give away a bunch of money, I'm going to do it on my terms, you know. I did have a, in one of the, in one of the bracket challenges that I did last place, got $5 in pennies back. That was, they got their entry fee back, but it was delivered in unrolled pennies. <laughs> yeah. I used to work at a bank and that, I mean, that, that, is kind of heavy. That that adds up to quite a bit. So yeah, I think they appreciated getting their entry back, but at the same time, then they had to go do something with five dollars worth of pennies. 
Yeah. And I got to ask, before we get into Empire League, you just said so many good things in your intro. Uh, so you said that you had a league that ended this year. I have never had a league that has come to an end. So you had asked other people if they wanted to take over as commissioner, and there was a whole bunch of crickets. Yeah, uh, it, it was. it's a really dedicated group, and I they've been with me as, you know, they're the owners in this league. For years, I was hopeful that they would transfer into the Empire, but I didn't want anybody to feel pushed because the Empire League is a lot bigger thing. But at the same time, the the dual super flex was it, it was fun. I, I loved it. One of the guys that did transfer into the Empire League said, "Wait a second, how am I how am I supposed to play fantasy football without starting three quarterbacks?" Which that statement alone, uh, I appreciate it because the league was fun, but we we went way out of hand with it, it you know but i stepped down just because I, I knew i wanted to get this other league up and running and i knew it was going to take way more of my time this was well before i thought i'd be doing a podcast and now that i've started this the time factor is is really gone so i it was hard to it was hard to step down from that league i i will admit i'm going to miss it when the fall comes around well, that's that's a perfect transition into this Empire League, man. And the first thing that I when I looked at it, I thought this is going to take a lot of time for him. <laughs> so you you were you were right, and that's probably not a bad decision to step down. Uh, and it's nice that you have a bunch of owners kind of transitioning over with you. So my first question, because I looked, and the first thing that I noticed, so this Empire League, it's not a redraft league, it's not a dynasty league, it's not a keeper, even in just an auction there are six different forms of fantasy football all wrapped into one. So I'm afraid to ask this question because I feel like you could talk for 45 straight minutes, but give me a brief overview of what those six forms are that make up this league. Oh, the the brief part is going to be a challenge, um, but I will do my best. The Empire League is made up of six different formats of fantasy football. I have started to play in a lot of different formats I started playing in playoff fantasy football, I don't know, five or six years ago. I've come to enjoy it. It's not the same as a season-long football or, or fantasy football or season, you know a dynasty league, anything like that. But it gives you something to watch in the playoffs, especially, again, when you're a Bengals fan. And they get to the playoffs and then break your heart. So I knew I wanted to include playoffs. I still like a read. I didn't want to get rid of it because people still like it as well. So it's got playoff challenge and redraft league. I knew I wanted to have those in there. I started playing DFS last year. It was okay. I actually did win a little bit of money, so I didn't even lose money on it. It's just that feeling of going against, you know, a thousand other people that I didn't know wasn't, wasn't all that much fun. It was only really fun when I did win money or even better when I hit on a player that nobody else hit on. That was that was really cool. But I wanted to include DFS because this is a 14-team league. Each week, we will have a DFS competition just amongst us 14. There will be a weekly payout for that, but you're also going to accrue <laughs> – and this is going to be really hard to be brief. Um, <laughs> you're you're going to accrue points as you go through each week. Uh, those are going to be DFS points. As the season goes on, when we get to the end of week 16, you know, the, the DFS points are based on your order of finish. So first place gets 25 points each week, second place, 22. Those all add up to the point where then all those numbers compile 
and it will produce a total number of DFS points by which we will then rank the DFS portion of the Empire League. So somebody will be the best DFS player, and they'll then get 25 Empire points. Right. The Empire points work the same way. So we've got DFS in there, playoff challenge, redraft. I love auctions. I think an auction is the most exciting way to start a fantasy football uh, league of any kind. So we're going to do a, a regular auction, just a single season long auction. That's going to be another format. And then we've got the two bigger formats. We've got salary cap, which is my favorite form of fantasy football. When you're doing that much balancing of numbers and you know evaluating how long you want to sign a player for, those kinds of issues to me are just very intriguing. You have to do so much more than just say, oh, I like this player. This guy's ranked number 10 on this list. I'm taking him right here. So the salary cap, I kind of view that as you know an auction league because it starts with an opening auction but uh an auction league with even a more intense level and then of course we have dynasty as well i've never played in a dynasty league this was actually the first true dynasty league that i will that i will ever join um i've joined a bunch since then don't worry i i have i have gotten majorly hooked so (laughs) but but i have never played in a dynasty league um this the empire league dynasty league was the first one that I was officially in. So that's kind of, in my opinion, the the more um, expanded version of redraft because we started our dynasty with a draft, with a rookie draft, or um, with a startup draft. We didn't do a startup auction. We we talked about it, uh, my my co-owner in my other league, best friend, we bounced the idea back and forth a whole lot trying to figure out how to do an auction. But with... Everybody being new to this, we didn't want to be overwhelming, and we kind of thought an auction would just logistically be a lot tougher um, because we're also new to this. So the Empire League's got six formats, redraft, auction, dynasty, salary cap, DFS, and the playoff challenge. And I don't know how well how much you looked into it, but the playoff challenge is actually made up of three different forms of (laughs) playoff fantasy football. I really do sound crazy. You do sound crazy. I was thinking, so sometimes like if I have a friend or like one of my friend's spouses that asks me about like what I like to do and I talk to him about fantasy football, like, and you just see the blank stare on their yeah. face. Oh, those eyes like, just I can imagine over. That's a challenge. And I can imagine you doing that to somebody that doesn't know anything about fantasy football and they probably think you're like a serial killer or something. Oh, no. Like, I do it to people that know stuff about fantasy football and they're like, oh my gosh, I am crazy. I know it. I, I get that all the time. My brother, I love him to death, and I probably talk to him about fantasy football more than anything else, or more more than anybody else. Right. And I can tell when I get to a point with him, I'm like, oh, okay, I I passed I passed the point with him. And he yeah. knows, like, when he sets me off, if he asks a question, he knows that he's in for it, and we're just going to have an hour-long conversation about fantasy football. So. Yeah. Well, and shoot, this podcast is called Fantasy Insanity. And I mean, yeah. I think for a lot of us, you and I definitely, I felt, I texted you last night and I was like, you are what I've been looking for. Like, you don't stop thinking about this stuff. That sounds kind of weird. That kinda, sounds kind of weird to say out loud. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the more, you, the more we play, uh, the more in-depth you want it to be, the more strategy, the more competitiveness, the more fun. There's just so many layers of fantasy football and 
shoot, it looks like with the Empire League, you have covered a lot of them. So hopefully yeah. the guys, hopefully the guys in your league, they don't need to get their fix of something, you know, from another league. They can almost get it all within the Empire League. Yeah, I will say Empire 2.0. <laughs> I, I've already started thinking of changes for that. And I think if I do a second one, I'm probably going to replace the redraft with a best ball league just because I think for something this big, the maintenance of a best ball league will be a little bit less cumbersome and still give the people right. uh, that amount of enjoyment. Selfish plug on the $4 challenge that I'm doing on commissiontalk.com. Those are best ball leagues because on we a lot of us play on my fantasy league. It's free to run a best ball league. I don't know if people know that. I did not know that. I'm sure a lot of people do. I did not know that until this year. I was like, well, we get to do our draft. We get to set up the rules and we get to do everything that's fun, but then we just see it play out. And um, you're right. It's less maintenance. And I think that that would definitely be a good, good thing to add here. So let's take a kind of bigger look at this. So we have these six formats. Um, What's the overall goal with this? So it's called the Empire League. And I see right at the beginning of the rules, it says you have a chance to win the Empire Pot, which just sounds amazing. I think one of the greatest things about Dynasty Leagues, like everybody talks about, hey, I'm going to build a dynasty. And I just think that sounds cool. But Empire sounds even cooler. So like, what is this Empire Pot? And how does one attain this? Yeah, it it is it is fun. There are a lot of ways to win money in this league. I, when I set out to create it, I wanted to make sure <clears throat> that you weren't just winning, you know, paying out the champion and the runner-up and maybe the points title as well. There's nothing wrong with that. I've run leagues like that for years and years and years. The salary cap league I run, we only pay the champion. That's it. If you don't win at all, you don't get paid. But in this one, I wanted to create a little bit more options for payouts. The biggest one being the Empire Pot, which is a progressively growing pot. The way you win it is in each of these formats, you accrue Empire points based on your order of finish. It's the same scale as like we we talked about in the DFS portion. You know, if you get first place in any type of format, you get 25 points towards your Empire point bank. You get last 14th in redraft this year. You get zero. So it ranges, you know, from 25 down to zero. If somebody sweeps all six formats in one year, they win the Empire pot. Obviously, I don't think that's going to happen, <laughs> but I still want this money to be paid out at some point. I want people working towards a goal. It's actually part of the reason that we don't have as many anti-tanking rules in the Dynasty and Salary Cap League, because I kind of feel in this league, if you tank one of those formats for one or two years, you're killing yourself to try and get the Empire Pot. So if nobody wins, every format, if nobody has a clean sweep, after five years, we are going to pay out just based on your empire point rankings. You know, the first, the person that has the most empire points is going to get 50% of that pot, which it's going to end up being a, a pretty nice haul to get to that. And then, you know, there's a second place and a third place and even a fourth place in empire points gets paid out. And then a little bit of it even carries over, uh, so it doesn't pay everything out. So year six, there will be you know the regular entry into it, 
plus that percentage. So as long as I can keep this thing running, that pot will just keep growing every single year. Even when we have the payouts, it'll still it'll start out lower, but it's going to grow on a larger scale. It's it is definitely a big chunk to try and win it. It's going to be hard to do with a 14 team league. You're trying to beat out so many other people that uh, it's it's going to be a challenge. I'm really interested. I wanted to set out to see who is a good fantasy football player. Not just I had a lucky year, so I took this. I took this. You know, I I had a great draft. And everybody else's players got hurt. And so I won the redraft league. That That's great. You're going to get paid for that. But if you can't repeat those results, you're not going to finish high. And you're not going to get the biggest prize of all, which is the Empire Pot. Yeah, man. I love, as you were talking about that, I got more and more excited. Because you are right. After five years, you are going to know who the best player was or who the best few players is. Yeah. I think that's one of the most – Not, I'm not – saying I'm a great fantasy player, but that's one of those most maddening things, especially in a redraft league, is we all kind of look at similar cheat sheets, and then it's who gets injured, who doesn't, what kind of playoff matchups do you have. So you can you can kind of luck your way, um, I guess you could say, into a championship or into a good finish. But with this format, six different formats every year, and I love the part where you are accruing points. So first place, whatever it is, gets 25 points. Second place gets 22 on down. So, I mean, you can't just be coming in 12th through 14th place uh, very consistently and expect to do well. So it it definitely rewards consistency, which I love. Hey guys, I'm going to take a little break here. I asked listeners to submit podcast reviews and we did get one sent in at Mark Hill 321 sent in one of a podcast that I do listen to and enjoy. If it's one that you haven't listened to yet, you know, take his review listen to this podcast his review is spot on these guys are very entertaining hey guys mark here with a podcast spotlight you know looking through all the podcasts on my phone the first one that really jumped out was the dynasty playbook it's definitely one of my go-to podcasts i listen to each and every week it's uh, hosted by drew and tyler drew does some writing for fake pigskin and under the helmet and you can find him at drew dodson nfl on twitter and his co-host Tyler, you can find at HBOM IDP on Twitter. How do I describe the Dynasty playbook? It's basically Dynasty fantasy football plus a lot of junk food talk. <laughs> it's uh, whether it's player evaluations or candy debates, uh, draft prep or Oreo cookie rants. They uh, definitely bring quality insight with plenty of humor each and every week. Um, one of the things that sets them apart from other podcasts is they do mix in a little bit of IDP. Um, I don't even play in any IDP in, uh, in fantasy, but it, you know, it's, it's still an entertaining podcast and, uh, I might even dip my toe into IDP for the first time here this year. But, uh, Drew and Tyler are definitely smart and funny and their chemistry, uh, is, is really great. As a show that's, uh, been around for about a year, they've really hit their stride and, uh, you know, they've really grown, and they, they definitely provide a, a fun and entertaining show each and every week. So if you haven't listened to them before, definitely go check out the Dynasty Playbook. Now back to the Fantasy Insanity Podcast. Yeah, and the, 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 one of the big driving points behind that is heartbreak on my part. Uh, I have had some success playing fantasy football. 
I've, I've won, you know, a decent amount of championships. So I've enjoyed that. I don't remember those as much as I remember the crushing losses. I, so in 2013, in my dual super flex league, I went into week 16 Monday night game, leading the Super Bowl and the points title. I was, I was set to sweep them both. It was going to be a very nice payout. And all I had to do was watch the San Francisco uh, defense not come back and win. And this is the game that Matt Ryan threw. Well, they the San Francisco was up by like two touchdowns with just a few minutes to go. So Atlanta had to score, get an onside kick, score again. It was basically to the point where I was counting the money. I knew it was mine. And San Francisco was, even if they got the ball, they were just going to kneel it down. Like the odds were so much in my favor. Well, Atlanta, of course, scored. Then they did the onside kick. I'm like, come on, just recover this. Atlanta recovered it. It was horrible. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't care what happens here. Just don't turn the ball over. Matt freaking Ryan throws an interception to Navarro Bowman. And I can I can close my eyes and I can picture it in my head. And as soon as the interception happened, I lost the points title because that was just enough to bump him over for that. It was that close in the points title. And then I'm just screaming, go down. The game is over. Go down. Every NFL team in the everybody, when you get an interception at the end of the game, you do that slide, the baseball slide where you just go down or you take that knee and you get up and you celebrate. Nope. Not Navarro Bowman. <laughs> he proceeded to run it all the way back for a touchdown. I I lost. I lost it. I was so mad. I I remember kicking a footstool and my wife just saying, "Whoa!" Like I, I didn't. I lost my temper. I was so mad. Uh, that killed me. I did win another league that year, which was which was really nice. My co-owner and I we did win our original league, which was great. And then the next year in that league, we were back in the Super Bowl because we had Andrew Luck, and he was just amazing, absolutely amazing. We had won back-to-back titles in this league previously. Nobody has ever won back-to-back titles more than once in that league. We were set for it. So we get to that Super Bowl. We have Andrew Luck. We've got it. We have it set. And I don't, I'm don't. i sure anybody that had Andrew Luck in that year, I think it was 2014 then, will remember that in week 16 of that year, he – was terrible. I don't even know if he got us any points. I mean, he was so, it was his worst game of his entire career. And I can remember that. Those were, those were tipping points that made me start thinking, you know what? (laughs) We got second place money. We got some runner up money. So that was nice, but we got, I, I had two years in a row where I was so close to winning that I'm like, I need. I should get something more for this. If somebody's consistently getting second place, they should start getting rewarded on a higher level. So I start. That was that was kind of an uh, initial inkling into I wanted to reward long term success because I felt like you know my co owner and I had it, especially with almost back to back. Like we should have gotten more out of that. And Andrew Luck just shot the bed and ruined it. <laughs> Man. So I got to say this. So we'll move on here in just a second. <laughs> but since you mentioned that story, I have to say it because it's such a coincidence. Um, I was not in the championship in my dynasty league in year two, 
but my good friend was, and it's an IDP league, and he has uh, he has Navarro Bowman. Oh, I hate Navarro. I just hate Navarro. And, Bowman. And he, was, he was down by like sixteen points heading into the final. What was that with one minute to go? Oh yeah, I mean First time second. was time was almost expired. It was like thirty I, I, seconds. It might have been like the last play of the game. I. He had Navarro Bowman, and he was down by literally like 16 points. And you have a, you know, you have one defensive player in the championship game. He gets that interception, returns it for a touchdown, which in our league is worth like 20 points or something. Yeah. And uh, and he went, he will, he won the championship on that last second play. And I texted him that next morning because it was pretty late, and I was like, that was nuts. And he was just like. What are you talking about? <laughs> like yeah. he he didn't even watch the end of the game because it was oh over. My gosh. That's just the oh. greatest way to win a championship. But on the other side, I felt so bad for his opponent, and I was like, "That's that would be enough for me to quit." I'm not even joking. <laughs> like I, I I have those moments every year, and if that had happened to me and I lost that way, I would probably not be on this podcast today. I would just I, I I'm I'm on tilt all the time with fantasy football, and it's like I have highs and I but I have really low lows. So I was so mad and. Uh, the owner that beat me, you know, he's one that did come over to the Empire League with me. And as I started that league, I wanted not everybody that's in it knows everybody else. They all pretty much know me um, through varying degrees. So I kind of wanted to do a little introduction thing. He kind of, uh, he provided a link to the Navarro Bowman interception, oh. his introduction story. So it's never going away. Never, ever ever going away navarro bowman oh, you, will, man. you will see that every night before going to sleep you just like, yeah. replay it in your mind i think if i ever see a little kid named navarro or bowman i'm gonna <laughs> look at him with such an evil look that people are gonna want to arrest me because they're gonna think that i want i just dislike the kid it's not gonna have anything to do with that but just that name oh if that guy hasn't has a kid or has I don't know anything about his family, he should name his kid Navarro just as the ultimate shot. At oh him. man, he does That's have a strange kids. name. That's just a weird name in general. <laughs> I don't know very many kids named Navarro. He has not gone that far. If he did that, you know what? I would actually, out of respect, appreciate that, and that that would improve it. So Zach, you there you go. That. Zach, yep. if you're having any more, go Navarro or Bowman. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to move forward. So you have these different forms. So let me ask this question. So I'm in a read within the Empire League. I have a redraft team. I have an auction team. I have a dynasty. I have a salary cap. If I'm one owner, do I have four different teams? Yes. Yep. Okay. We each owner will have one team in each format. Okay. And each week you will have to set a lineup for each of those formats. You're going to compete against the same, you know, the owners. Okay. That's right. It's going to be 14. So you'll play one. You'll only play every other team just once. So there will be no division. Okay. So one, the next thing that I had written down that I wanted to talk about, because I was thinking about this, I'm like, okay, so a decent amount of your money goes towards this empire pot. So you, I mean, we've talked about the progressive pot um, and the advantages of it before it keeps people coming back. You know, you're mm -hmm. invested into that next season or the next five seasons or whatever it is. So it's, it's an awesome idea but you wrote something in your rules about selling your franchise. So obviously not too many people want to quit this type of league probably, but if they do, it might behoove somebody to purchase a franchise to get a shot at that empire pot. So what if three years down the road, John, I said, John, that's a bad example. Cause your name's John. I, I hope, I hope that John, I hope that John guy doesn't want to leave the league. If Why John is your name so common? 
that was the first name I thought of. Frank wants to quit the league after three years, but he has a good thing going, and he has a chance at that empire pot. How, how is that going to work? Who is he going to be able to sell it to? How much should he ask for it? And then, I, then the last thing I have, uh, my question is, it says incoming member must be approved by some of the other members. So tell me a little bit about that. I just, I found the concept interesting. Like it's something that needs yeah, to be addressed. It's not really set up that they can sell it for profit. Um, what I'm doing is, I, it's going to be easier to just talk real numbers. So the buy-in of this league is $100. For the first four years, I'm actually telling people you have to pay $125. So after the fourth year, you're going to have a cushion of a year, you know, for free. But that cushion's non-refundable. If you decide to leave the league at any time, you're not getting that $100 back. Now, I actually did write uh, in the bylaws of it look, I'm not going to be a jerk. Like if you lost your house, your car, you know, <laughs> if that hundred dollars is going to make a difference to you, we're going to get it back to you. Uh, in all likelihood, we're going to do what we can to make it so that you don't have to leave the league. I don't want this league to ever be, I originally set it up to be a $200 buy-in because I only wanted people that were going to be super dedicated to it. Once I got everybody that was agreed to that payment, then I said, well, you know, I trust you all. I, do you guys want to do this for a hundred? It's not really about the money to me. Um, so the ways that people can leave the league, they're going to be leaving money on the table uh, that they're not going to be getting back. So when I said that they can sell their team, it, it's not necessarily for a profit uh, that, you know, Hey, I've got this really great team that I think, you know, somebody else might look at as an investment to pay off. I hope that's not what people will think. Um, it's more of, you know, if they want to leave the league, but they want to get their cushion back, if they're leaving and they know somebody else that wants to buy in and basically buy their team, they could sell it to that person and, you know, for more than what just the entry fee is. And then that person's cushion, you know, they're basically just replacing the cushion for that person so that they're not taking a loss on it. Now, after four years, I think everybody's going to be pretty solid in the league. Hopefully nobody leaves it before then. It is a big league, and I don't know if everybody that joined it knew exactly what they were joining just because it is hard for me to describe in, in the amount of detail that, that's in it. It, it. It's a big one. but So that's what the selling of the team is. And they do – I don't want random people just jumping into this league. I, I don't want to have somebody you know just going on Twitter saying, hey, I've got a team up for sale I'm looking to get rid of. So, yeah, the an incoming owner has to be approved. I don't remember what I wrote down. I, I think there was a certain percentage. 10 out of 13 members. Yeah. So one person will be leaving, leaving 13 members still in it. You got to have at least 10 of them say, okay. Now, most people aren't going to care if they don't know them. Right. But obviously, if it's somebody I don't know, I feel that I have enough sway to tell the other owners, you know, I don't want this person in my league. I don't know who they are. Or if it's somebody I do know and I know they're not going to be somebody I want in this league because I don't think they'll have the dedication, I think I'll be able to sway enough owners to to care enough to say, no, you can't sell your team to that person. Um, right. If somebody just drops out, you know, they're giving up that money. So it's great that they would try and find a replacement to get that money back. That makes my life easier. But at the same time, we have a wait list for it. So, you know, you're not going to get your cushion back if you leave just because you want to leave. And I'm going to go ahead and replace it. And that incoming owner, they're actually going to get a little bit of a discount in year one to kind of get a taste of the league. They'll eventually have to replenish it, but we'll use some of that cushion fund 
to cover some of their expenses for the first year that they come in. Because if somebody's leaving, they might be leaving because they've sabotaged their own team. So somebody coming in, I don't want anybody coming in to be completely against, you know, behind the eight ball and have no chance. So we're going to we're gonna pay a little bit of their entry fee the first year out of that cushion. And I think I have it set to the point where we might even, I think the second year they pay the regular fee. And then after two years, I kind of feel like they should have a grasp on it to the point where they're hopefully dedicated. And at that point, then they have to pay the cushion back that, you know, they have to, they have to reload that cushion so that if they ever walk away, that cushion is there for somebody else coming in. Right. And replacing owners in a league, especially a dynasty league, it seems like, or a league where the roster carries over, that's a really challenging thing. I had spoke before, but my dynasty league, I took over as commissioner two years in and we're only, we're only through three years and we've had like seven or eight owners leave in that time. So it was, it was a league that started that I don't think people quite understood what a dynasty league was, that it was a year round thing. And we had the same story over and over of, yeah, this probably just isn't for me. And I mean, you could guess that it was the people that finished towards the, towards the end, um, you know, last place, second to last place, whatever it is, and didn't have a strong roster and was thinking, well, next year I'm not going to have a strong roster. So kind of jetting out of the league. So anything that you can do, especially financially to make a new owner coming into a league more comfortable with taking over a team, um, that's what you need to do because it, yeah. it can be hard. It can be hard to find those good owners to take over a really bad team. Yeah, and we've we've got some other we've got some other things in for the rosters that carry over to help that incoming owner out. And I'm really glad I put them in there because since I wrote these rules, I did I did take over an orphan, and the team that I took over is just it is trash. There was actually three orphans in one league, and so we the three of us did a dispersal draft of all the uh, assets of those three teams. And they were all just terrible. I mean, the teams clearly did not, uh, they, they left because they knew they had no chance. I am trying my best to look at that as, Oh, this is just a different challenge. It's going to feel better when I get this roster to where I think it should be, but I'm going to have to sell Sammy Watkins in order to do it. And that's, <laughs> that's going to be brutal on me. I like him as I think he's a good player. He's young, but I looking at this league that I've, just joined I know I'm at least two years from even being competitive and probably three or four years from being able to have a roster that might be you know really in contention so I I am I'm really glad that that I was able to put those rules in when I wrote them and didn't have to go back and change that afterwards Uh, what we put in for the ownership change in the uh so like in the salary cap league, this is where, you know, you assign people for a certain amount of money, then you assign years to them. We have a maximum salary con- or contract years of four. That's the max contract you can give. So there are plenty of, pl- there's plenty of player turnover in that. But also if there is an incoming owner coming in, I wanted to make it so that they can, they can get something from the teams that have good rosters they're not going to get anything really good from them. And I learned this because after our salary cap league, after our year one, since we only played with eight, we wanted to expand. So we went to 10. So we did kind of an expansion where owners protected a certain number of contracts on their roster. And then the incoming owners had kind of like an opening auction 
of the unprotected player. So in the Empire League, if an incoming owner wants to take some contracts from the returning owners, they can do that. They get to basically go through the unprotected contracts and and pull and you know say I want that one, I want that one. They can't take more than two from any returning owner. So the maximum of your unprotected you could lose would be two. They but they can't just take them. They have to offer something as a replacement. They can either offer they have to offer up to three of their current contracts as a replacement. Most likely the returning owner is not going to want any of those. So at that point, then they can just give it away for nothing. But then the 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 owner that loses that player gets a little something in return. We have a salary cap that'll be set at 200 million. You know, it, it's all fake, so it's just a scale. It doesn't matter. But whatever the salary is that they lose, they get to exceed the salary cap for that year by that amount. So say you have a guy on a three-year contract at 10 million per year and that contract gets poached by the incoming owner, you're going to get a salary cap for that initial for that one year of $210 million. So basically, you lose a player, but you also have one year where you kind of get a you get to work it so that you recover a little bit, and the incoming owner doesn't completely lose out on everything. Some people are going to have more than 14 good contracts, I, I think is what I set that one at. Uh, it's a 20-man roster, I think. Um, man, I... Now I realize that when I ask it's hard, questions, it's harder. I, I ask really hard questions and I assume people will just remember them, but I did get it right. It is, it is a roster spot of 20, it is 20 rosters. It doesn't, I don't feel confident, but I guess I do. I guess I do kind of remember them at this point. It's, um, all, it's all stuck in that brain somewhere. It, it, it really is up there rattling around. So, so that's how we handle the ownership change in the salary cap league in the dynasty league. It's, it's very much the same. Uh, You've got a roster of 25. You can protect 20, but those bottom five, they're they're up there, you know, for the incoming owner to poach. Again, they can't take more than two players from anybody. They have to offer a player off of their roster in return. What that player does, what the returning owner does with that player, who cares? They're getting they're getting first choice before that player hits the waiver wire if they don't want it, basically. As compensation in that one for losing a player, for every player you lose, you're going to get basically a lottery ticket. And if we have an ownership change, the rookie draft for that year, the first round will not be 14 picks. It'll be 15. So for every player that you lose, you're going to get a lottery ticket that we'll put into a bowl. We'll pull a name out. And whoever's name comes out, they get pick 1.15. So Again, they're going to be losing a player that they might like on the bottom of their roster. But at the same time, they're going to get a, you know, it's not a great first round rookie pick, but it's going to be a chance to get a second player in that rookie class before anybody else that hasn't traded up for it gets, you know. So they're going to get a little something out of it too. I kind of hope that if we ever face this situation, which I hope we never do, I hope we just talked for 10 minutes about a situation that never that never comes to pass. <laughs> but if we do, you know, I'm hoping maybe people will leave some assets a little more exposed uh, because, you know, if there's, I mean, if you're going in the next year, 2017, when they're supposed to be, you know, what, 875 super good rookies and every veteran is just going to be trash. Somebody might say, you know what, I want that 1.15 pick, especially if they're somewhere in the mid range as well in the first round and they want to jump higher. You can package that 115 and that one eight 
you know, and maybe jump up to a little bit higher and get a, a better player. So I'm hoping it, it works as a way to maybe they want to go for that pick and they'll leave some better players exposed. Again, hopefully we'll never find out. <laughs> right. I liked, I really liked that section that, that dealt with being able to poach players from other teams because I think when somebody joins a league and they're not doing the startup draft, they want to make their team their own. And yeah. I think that that's, that's a really good way to be able to do that. Part of me wishes I had something like that in my dynasty league with all the turnover that we've had, unfortunately, for people coming in to be able to, rather than I inherit this team, I can try to trade can draft some guys, but that's an immediate thing that you can do to kind of make your team your own. So I think that that's cool. Um, and then the the pick 115 is a, is a neat thing too. I think I, I like the idea of just like compensatory picks like it within the NFL, you know, every once in a while they'll get another second round pick or another third round pick. So I've for a little while now, I've kind of been trying to rack my brain on how can I incorporate that into to my dynasty league. So I think that's some, something that's cool that just kind of adds another element, um, not necessarily to even out the league, but just to kind of make it mirror the NFL a little bit more. So kind of trying to figure out what you what you need to do to earn that compensatory pick is is a challenge, but it's one that's worth uh, exploring for a lot of leagues, I think. Yeah, it, it's fun too. 